that in this place. Would you just get up on your feet and give him a shout of praise? Listen, if he rose for you, would you begin really to get up on your feet and let him know how good he is? You just worship him here today in this place. Man, I woke up with anticipation. I woke up with expectation because our Savior has risen from the grave. He went and he took back life and he killed death. If you believe that in this house, I dare you to give him a 30-second praise in this Hallelujah. Come on, look at the person next to you. Tell them, I'm glad I'm in church this morning. Now tell them like you mean it. Tell them, I'm glad. Say, neighbor, I'm so glad that I'm sitting next to you this morning. And at Kuha, we haven't said morning in a long time. So we're glad to be here at 11 a.m. at PS16. And we just want to say thank you to everybody, truly from the bottom of our hearts. We're so grateful. Uh, we are seeing so many familiar faces, so many families. And it is our joy to be with you and spend Easter with you. If you are excited to hear a word from God, let me hear you make some noise in this place. I'm grateful because... You know, sometimes we just overlook Easter. We overlook Easter. What I mean is like, we just kind of like go about the motions. But I want you to consider that our Savior came and took on human flesh. He lived the life that we could not live. And then he died the death that we should have died. And then he was buried in a tomb. But on the third day, but on the third day, here's what the Bible says, that if not for the resurrection, that our faith would be in vain. I don't know about you, but on the third day, I said on the third day, our King, our Savior, our promise, our Redeemer, our our husband, he rose again and gave us new life. Give him a phrase in this place. We just give it up for our worship team here today. Come on, give him a round of applause. Thank you. Thank you. Give it up for our worship team. Um, I want to sit down because I have a message that I want to share with you guys. And I want to, I want to, I want to share this message, and it's a two-hour message that I'm trying to preach in 30 minutes. Come on, somebody. Uh, but we've been, in a, we've been in a series in our church, and um, this series is called Encounter. Because here's what we believe. We, we believe that God wants to encounter you. God wants to have an encounter with you. And, um, and in this series, what we're doing is that we're looking at these encounters in the Bible, and as we're looking at these encounters in the Bible, we don't want you just to learn about someone else's encounter. We want you to have an encounter with Jesus for yourself. Um, and so in this series, we're talking about encounters. And today we're going to be talking about a special encounter. This encounter is happening with Jesus and some of his closest family members. 
Some of the closest people to Jesus. Anybody got a BFF in the house? All right, we, you need to go and make some friends. I'm just letting you know. Um, but anybody got some friends in the house? So, so anybody going to spend some time with their friends later on this afternoon? So these are some of Jesus' closest friends. These are Jesus' BFFs. And he's having this encounter with them because what happened in this particular interaction, in this particular encounter, his, his closest friend, his childhood friend, dies. He passes away. And you would think that Jesus would just show up immediately, but he doesn't show up immediately. The Bible says that he spends about two to three days apart. And then on the fourth day, Lazarus, that's his closest friend, he's been in the grave for four days. And here's where we pick up in verse 17 of John chapter 11. And, and, and I'm grateful for technology because usually we have these two huge screens. But sometimes we need to go old school and you can either go on your Bible app on the phone or you can open up that good old Bible, dust it off, come on, and open up that Bible. So I want to encourage you to open up your Bible to John chapter 11, verse 17. Uh, and we're going to read to verse 25. Now, I'm a preacher, so I got to be honest, When I this is a preacher's text. And when I hear this text, I mean, it just brings the preach out of me. You know what I'm talking about? And this is what it says. So when Jesus came and he found that he had already been in the tomb four days. It says, now, Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles away. And many of the Jews had joined the woman around Martha and Mary to comfort them concerning their brother. Now, Martha, has, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, went and met him. But Mary was sitting at the house. Now, Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here. I, I love Martha because she's kind of keeping it real. Anybody, anybody just, you know, you don't want no fake religion. You want the real stuff. Like, I love Martha because she's keeping it real. She's like, Jesus, if you would have been here. She wasn't like, Lord, you had your way, and I'm just glad, and I'm at peace. She's like, Lord, if you would have been here, if you would have been here, my brother would not have died. But even now, someone shout, even now. I know that whatever you ask God, God will give to you. And this is the preaching part. He says, Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha says to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. Spoil alert, he resurrects Lazarus. He's raised from the grave. But this is an astonishing claim. He says, I am the resurrection and the life. And then he goes and resurrects a friend. The title to my message, I want you to write this down if you're taking notes. And if you're not taking notes, <clears throat> take notes. Um, is the other empty tomb. The other empty tomb. Would you do me a favor? Would you just bow your head right there where you are? Just bow your heads. Bow your heads. Close your eyes. Bow your heads. Father, we just thank you, God. We thank you that you are in our midst, oh God. We thank you, Lord God, that today we can celebrate your resurrection, that you are alive and well, that our faith is strong because you rose again. We thank you that we can celebrate Good Friday just a couple of days ago because 
it was a good Friday for us, but it wasn't a good Friday for you. Until you saw the joy that was set before you. And that is why you endured the cross. So, Father, we just, we, we thank you, Lord God, that our sins are washed. That you remove them as far as the east is from the west. That you have not just covered our sins, but you have taken them away and you have made us brand new, giving us a new identity. And we can celebrate all those things on this Resurrection Sunday. We love you because you first love us. And I'm so grateful that I'm here pastoring an amazing church and married to the hottest woman on the planet, Lisa Remedios. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody says, amen. Somebody give God a praise in this room. You know, I, I want to ask you this question. Um, has anybody here ever been disappointed by somebody that's close to them? Don't look at the person next to you. It's not a, it's not a good time. Have you ever been disappointed? Truly, it's like the closer the person is, like the more it hurts. Like, have you ever been disappointed by somebody that's close to you? Like, you ain't never been married. You, I'm telling you right now, you cannot have a good marriage unless you've gone through some level of disappointment. Come on, somebody. And with that being said, I want to just, I want to just lay it out right now. I have never forgotten my wife's birthday. Someone shout, mm-hmm. uh, no, no, I mean, I've never forgotten my wife's birthday, but there was this one year. It was one year, I'm going to be honest, here's what happened. Like, I don't know what happened. I was booked to preach at another church. And for whatever reason, January 18th did not pop out at me at the ca- on the calendar. You know what I'm saying? Ever happened to you? Like, you booked two things to happen in one day? I got one amen right here. I need somebody. Do I got two amens in the house? Come on, somebody. Do I got three amens? Help me out because we've been fighting for six years about this one thing. Anyway. But, but, but I was looking at the calendar and I was just like, I didn't know it was, like I knew it was my wife's birthday because it's January 18th. Of course, I have that tattooed in the inner parts of my being, January 18th. I know what my wife's birthday is, but for whatever reason, it was in the calendar and they said, hey, do you want to preach January 18th? And I saw it was a Sunday. I was like, yeah, of course, I'm there. Don't worry about it. And I didn't know. Someone shout disappointment. Disappointment. And it happens not only in marriage, but it happens in all kinds of relationship. And I remember, like, like I, I, my best friend, I'm talking about my BFF, growing up as a kid. I'm not going to mention his name. Sal Sanudo, if you're watching. <laughs> like, this was my BFF. This was my DJ, DJ Jazzy Jeff to my Will Smith. He was my Barney Rebel to my Fred Flintstone. He was my birth to my Ernie. Anybody, like he was my BFF. This was my friend. This was my Italian compadre. We were close. And, and one day we're coming from Utrecht in Brooklyn. And we're riding on the train. And we come out of the train. And I see him and my older brother kind of having this shoving match. And they're like getting into it. And I'm like, I can't let that happen. And so what do I do? I get in the way and I'm like, hold on a second. Like, how are my brother and my best friend fighting? And I, and I kind of get in between. I'm like, you can't fight my brother. Like, you can't, like, you can't do this. And all, out of nowhere, he punched me in the face. He cut back, punched me in the face. And I'm like, how does my best friend punch me in the face? So I go home and I'm letting my father know my disappointment. I'm like, can you believe my 
best friend punched me in the face and my father with great wisdom looked at me and he says, that's because the Lord was trying to show you that only he is your best friend. It's like, thanks dad. Someone shout disappointment. I, I want to tell you about disappointment because this story right here that we're talking about in John chapter 11, it's absolutely, I want you to paint, I want to paint this picture for you. It's absolutely saturated in and it's enveloped with disappointment. Like, I want to give you the scene, like, like this is Jesus. Many scholars believe that G- this is Jesus' best friend. This is not like the disciples. This is not somebody that he knew just for a couple of years. In the Bible, if you look at history, this is one of Jesus' closest friends. Like, many scholars believe that this was one of the friends that Jesus came up with. He grew up with. I'm talking about they, they played together in the dirt. Like they had a good time as kids. Like this is Lazarus who is Jesus' best friend. And now Jesus gets wind that Lazarus is about to die. Jesus gets wind that Lazarus is terminal. And you would think that Jesus, as Lazarus' best friend, goes running to the rescue. But the Bible says that he doesn't come running to Lazarus' rescue. The Bible doesn't say that he comes and he says, I'm going to save Lazarus from dying because he's sick. The Bible says that he he stood two days longer. And I'm like, you're going to do that? You're going to do your boy Lazarus like that? Let's make it worse. Lazarus dies. And Jesus doesn't even show up at the funeral. And you know, for Spanish people, That's a no-no. You show up at that person's funeral no matter what. How many of you? Anyway, I'm not going to put your business out there, but there's some people in this place that you showed up at somebody's funeral and you said this in your mind. I got to be there just to show. Oh, my goodness. And Jesus doesn't even show up at the funeral. Not the first day, not the second day, not the third day, not... Four days and like someone shout disappointment. 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 But I want to I want to show you something when it comes to disappointment that I didn't notice before. But I, I read this in the beginning of the text, and this thing is revealing as to why Jesus was able to show up four days later. I, I want to read it to you re- real quick. And by the way, I'm going to give you three points today, and and I want you to hear them as if Jesus is talking to you directly. I want to give you these points so that you can hear them as if Jesus is speaking to you directly. Because I genuinely believe that Jesus wants to encounter you today. And and, and look what it says. It says, therefore, the sisters sent him saying, this is Martha and Mary. They sent this over to Jesus. And it says, Lord, behold. That word behold in the original language, it suggests pay attention. I need you to focus right now. Like many wives tell their husbands when they're talking to them. Can you get over your... Behold, next time, look at your husband, tell him, behold. (laughs) I'm saving some marriages here today. I'm just letting you know. It says, behold, he whom you love is sick. And when Jesus heard that, watch this. He said, this sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God. It says, it says, the son of God, so that the son of God would be glorified through it. Like Jesus is making this astonishing claim, like, like if he's God or something, 
You get that on the way home. Okay. Jesus is making this astonishing claim. He says, hey, this sickness, the situation you're in right now, the dilemma that you're faced with right now, like, I need you to know something about that situation. I need you to know something about the, the miry that you're in right now. I need you to know something about this sickness. It's not going to, I know something you don't know. It's not going to lead you where you think it's going to lead you. He says, I need you to know something about this sickness that you're talking to me about. I need you to know something about this dilemma. You could change the variable. I need to know something about this, this problem that you're dealing with. I need you to know something. It's not going to lead you to death. It's not going to lead you to destruction. I need you to know something about this. It's not going to lead you down that road, but here's what it's going to do. It's going to produce my glory in you. Ooh. I'm like, I know that sounds great, but I'm just also like, wait. Like, um, I know what the Bible says, and I'm like, ¿sabes qué? Jesus, I don't know if you know what's about to happen, but this sickness leads to death. Like that, like, like you said, it's not going to lead to death, but it actually led to death. It leads to the place that you said it wasn't going to lead at. You said it wasn't going to lead to death, but uh, do you know what's going to happen right now? Like, he's going to die, and not only is he going to die, but also you're not going to show up to rescue him the first day or the second day or the third day. Like, this doesn't lead to death. This leads to death, death. For everybody that comes from Brooklyn, then they say, it's cold, cold. Come on, somebody. But you know what I found out in his statement, what he was really trying to say? I want you to hear it this way as if Jesus is speaking to you today. He says, if you encounter me, I can produce glory out of your disappointment. I can produce glory. See, when you encounter Jesus, he will produce glory out of your disappointment. And we can change the word because he specializes in producing glory out of your failures. He specializes in producing glory out of your mistakes. He specializes in producing glory out of your situation. He can produce glory out of that failed relationship. He can produce glory out of that mistake. He can produce glory out of being rejected from that promotion. He can produce glory out of being last in line. He can produce glory out of your brokenness. He can produce glory. Listen, you've been in your situation and you're saying, God, what is it that I can do with this? Don't you know that I'm sick? Don't you know I have an addiction? Don't you know I'm worried? Don't you know I'm struggling? He says, no, my daughter, I need you to understand that this sickness, this issue, this dilemma is not going to leave. That's not the final destination. The final destination is glory coming out of... Even when the situation gets as worse as it can get, can I tell you as a child of God, if your story, listen to me clearly, look at me, if your story does not end with his glory, then all it means is that God is not finished with you yet. 
Even when the worst thing you think can happen, can I tell you, as a child of God, your story, if it doesn't end with glory, then God's not finished with you yet. Just ask a blind man who expected to be blind all his life, and Jesus showed up, and he turned things around for his glory. Just ask the lame man that was at the pool of Bethesda, who thought that he was there for 38 years and he would be there for the rest of his life, but Jesus showed up and turn things around and did it for his glory. Just ask the woman that was caught in the act of adultery. Oh, curtains are closed. My life is done. My life is ruined. I committed adultery. I got caught. And guess what? Jesus saves him. Turned her life around. And he did it for his glory. Someone shout glory in this house. Oh. I was trying to be quiet today, but it's not. It's Easter Sunday, y'all. I'm telling you, some of our worst case scenarios was only a setup for God to produce the most glory out of it. So even when the odds look like they're stacked up against God, even when the situation seems impossible, can I just remind you today that Jesus could turn it around for his glory. He takes the material called your disappointment and he says, I'm making something good out of it. I'm making something glorious out of it. And if you believe that in this house, give God a praise in this room. And I already hear our self-absorbed nature kicking in, saying, but I don't deserve it. I am in this situation because of my doing. I'm in this situation because of my mistakes. I'm in this situation because of what I did. I'm in this situation because I haven't done what I was supposed to do. Can I tell you that God bringing glory to your life is not a byproduct of your performance, your devotion, your dedication, but it's a byproduct of his love and his grace and his forgiveness for you and towards you. You know how I know because he says it. He says, and this will produce glory. And then he says, and Jesus loved Lazarus. I want to tell you today, the reason that we celebrate Easter Sunday, we're not celebrating how dedicated you were. We're celebrating how devoted he is and has always been. Okay, so so Jesus, Jesus, um, he gets this news and he hears that his friend is sick, and, and the Bible says that he loved him, but he stood two days extra. I, I, I don't know about you, but have you ever noticed that God's, like, my, I don't know, like, my timing and God's timing, they don't align. You ever, say, you ever gave God one of those what the heck's? What the heck, God? What's going on? It's like your timing and his timing, it it, it just doesn't align. Like, I just wish, like, I like when God does stuff, but I just wish he did it more often on my time. I just wish, right? Like, no, the Bible says, watch this, and this kind of gives you a little insight on God. Because the Bible says that he loved him, but he stood two days longer. Meaning, he delayed his arrival. He delayed him coming and rescuing him from dying and, and not only that, but resurrecting because he could have resurrected him on the first day or the second day or the third day. Sabbath day, he chose the fourth. 
And the Bible says that he stays two more days and then he goes and starts making way. And he sits out of town about two miles away. And Martha now comes to him and Martha starts talking to him. And, and Mary now also comes and starts talking to him. They're like, Jesus, if you would have been here, man, my, 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 my brother would have been, he would have been alive. Like he wouldn't have been dead. Jesus, if you would have been here. Jesus, if you would have just been here a little sooner, Jesus, if you would have been operating on my timing, I promise you, my, my brother would have been here. And, and I love this passage because at this point, Mary comes and she just lays before Jesus. And as Mary lays before Jesus, I know the online ministry is killing me right now. They're like, they're like, pass it back up, back up. So that the, anyway, yes, she's like, yes. Um, she's like, it, 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 Jesus could have come at any time and, and, and Jesus now makes way. And Mary's like, if you would have been, if you would have been here, she, she lays at his feet. Watch this. She lays at his feet and something about her laying at Jesus' feet moves Jesus. It moves Jesus. And watch what Jesus' response is. He goes like this. He goes, show me where you laid him. Show me where you have put the dead stuff. Oh, yeah, I thought we were talking about Lazarus, but what if God wants to talk about the thing that's been dying in your life? I love Jesus' response. He's like, show me. Show me where the dead stuff is. And then now they begin to approach the, the grave. And look what Martha's response is when he's approaching the grave, because this is insightful. It says, Jesus was still angry as he arrived at the tomb. A cave with a stone rolled across its entrance. He says, roll the stone aside. Jesus told them, but Martha, the dead man's sister, protested. And look how she protests. Lord, I, I want you to give you, I want to give you the picture. It's Jesus. I'm Jesus. I'm Martha. And Jesus is like, Roll the stone away. Show me where you've put him. Martha's like, no, 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 Jesus. Like, no, like, you can't. He's been dead too long. If you open up this grave, he would be too smelly. And this is what I believe Jesus would tell you today. I think this is what Jesus wants to tell you. He would tell you, whatever it is, I can handle it. I think that if you encountered him today, I think that that's what he wants to tell you. I think he wants to tell you, hey, whatever it is, I can handle it. And I don't know about you, but I've been at that place where I've been like, Jesus, no, like this is like, no, like, like this is way too deep. This is way too gone. This is way too dirty. This is way too muggy. This is way too ugly. This is way too, no, 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 you can't. Let me, it, it's too, she goes, it's too smelly. It will reek of death. And Jesus is like, yeah, I can handle it. No, 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 maybe if I dress it up, maybe I put a little bit of perfume, maybe if it just goes away for like, no, nah, he's like, let me tell you, I can handle it. Show me the dead stuff. Show me the ugliness. Show me your, show me all that stuff. There's a communicator by the name of Matt Chandler, and he recites this story that moved me and it touched me so profoundly. And Matt Chandler recites the story that there was a, a preacher that was giving a, a talk on sex, and he was talking about um, he was talking about sex to teenagers. And if you don't know what sex is, ask your parents. Um, but 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 uh, Jesus, um, th this this uh, 
the speaker begins to give a Christian Jesus sex talk. And what he does is, it, at, at best, what the way Matt Chandler describes it, he says this is fear-mongering at its best. That this preacher just began to kind of guilt trip all the teenagers. And, and, and one of his illustrations was to take a rose. And he takes this rose and he passes it all around the room. He, he says, oh man, this rose smells so good and it's amazing. Look how beautiful this rose is. And he takes the rose and he says, hey, grab this rose, but I want you to pass it all around the room. And, and the climactic conclusion at the end of his message is as he's preaching and he says, oh, you don't want to catch a disease and uh, you should stay away from sex because it's, it's just terrible. It just leaves. He says, oh, where's my rose? Somebody give me my rose. This is Matt Chandler telling this story. The rose comes around and the rose, by the time it gets to the preacher's hand, it's broken and it's, the, the, the petals are coming out and it's, it's just broken up. Look what he says. He says, you think anybody would want this? You think anybody wants this broken rose? Well, that's how you look when you start sleeping around and this, this rose is broken and it's beat up. Nobody wants to spend the rest of their life with this. No one wants to be with this ugly thing. And that was his climactic conclusion while Matt Chandler is sitting there screaming in his heart, you don't know that Jesus wants the rose. And that's what I believe God wants to say to you today. God say, no, I want the ugly stuff. I want the rose. I want your brokenness. I want your frailty. I want your mistake. I don't want just your worship. I want your worry too. I don't want just your faith. I want your fear too. I don't want just your praise. I want your pain too. I don't want just your devotion. I want your depression. I don't want just your gratitude. I want the grave closed. To somebody ought to give God a praise in this place. And sometimes we end up believing the lie that we need to fix it before we give it. It's like maybe when I get my stuff together, maybe if I'm a little bit cleaner, maybe because right now my marriage is too smelly. My relationship is too smelly. My addiction is too smelly. My hidden sin is too smelly. And I just want to tell you today that what God wants to declare before you on this Easter Sunday, he's want, he wants to say, look, listen to me. He wants to say, hey, my son, my daughter, I can handle it. I can handle it. I can handle your mistake. I can handle your ugliness. I can ha handle the ugliness and the smelliness. I can handle your brokenness. I can handle it. Why? Because I got enough grace. I got enough goodness. I got enough restoration. I got enough love. As a matter of fact, where sin abound, grace much more abound. Let me give you this last point as, as our keyboardist comes up, and then we'll call the worship team in a moment. But I want to give you this last point as if Jesus is talking to you directly. And here's what he says. He says, I need you to know I can handle it. I need you to know that I can take your disappointments and produce glory out of it today. And I know, and this is what he really wants to tell you today. I am what your soul is truly longing for. I am what your soul is truly longing for. And I saw this and I was like, this is amazing that Martha is looking for something, 
But the very thing that she's looking for is standing right in front of her face and she doesn't know it. Look what it says in verse 21. It says, now Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would have not died. But even now, whatever you ask God, God will give you. But look what Jesus says. He says, your brother, listen to me. What was, what was uh, Martha looking for? Was she not looking for a resurrection? The resurrection is standing before her. He says, hey, your brother is going to rise again. Look what her response is. She says, she says, I know he will rise again in the resurrection someday. I know that he will rise again eventually. I know that he will rise again soon enough. But Jesus says, Martha, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live. What, what is he saying? He says, you're, you're looking for something, but I'm the very thing that you're looking for. Jesus, I need, I need the resurrection. Jesus, I need the resurrection. I need my brother to rise again. He goes, your brother will rise again. She goes, yeah, I know. I know he's going to rise again. He's like, no, the resurrection is not an event. The resurrection is not a moment. The resurrection is a person. And I'm right here, right now, ready to resurrect. And maybe you're in this place, and I just want to say, Martha was looking for a resurrection, but I, I think it begs the question, what is it that you're looking for? On this Easter Sunday, what is it that you are looking for? Because maybe you're in this place and you're saying, I'm looking for peace. Can I submit to you today that Jesus wants to remind you, I am your peace. You might be in this place and you might say, I'm, I'm just looking for happiness. He says, my son, my daughter, I am your happiness. I'm just looking for joy. I, I haven't been joyful. I feel like I've been in another person living inside this body. Like, I, 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 I'm just looking for some kind of joy. And he says, I am your joy. I'm, I'm looking for fulfillment. I'm, I'm looking for satisfaction in my soul. He goes, I am the satisfaction that your soul has been looking for. I'm looking for validation. I just need to be validated. He goes, I am the validation you've been looking for. I'm looking for security. He wants to say, listen, I am the security you've been looking for. I'm looking for love. He wants to say, I am the love you've been looking for. Would you get up on your feet here today as our worship team comes forward? I believe Martha had the resurrection standing before her and she missed it. I don't want you to miss it today. Easter Sunday was never meant to be a time that we just come traditionally check into church. I believe right here, right now, God wants to encounter you. 
See, the reason that I call this message the other empty tomb is because 2,000 years ago, there was a man by the name of Jesus who was God incarnate. And he came and died for your sins. Every drop of blood washed. It didn't just cover, it washed. It made you new, gave you a new identity. And he died for us, but then on the third day he rose again, and now his tomb is empty. Go check the tomb, it's empty. But right before that, there was a man by the name Lazarus that we just spoke about, who's now, his tomb is empty. But that's not the only tomb we're talking about today. See, because what I realize in this story is that I am Lazarus. You are Lazarus. And here's what I know about Lazarus. He could have never made it to Jesus. But Jesus made it to Lazarus. Here's here's what I know. That I would have never been ever been able to make it to God. But I thank God that God made it to me. That even when I wasn't looking for God, God was looking for me. That I couldn't choose God, but God chose me. That even when I didn't believe in God, God still believed in me. And he says, hey, your tomb is empty. As well, here's why. Let me read it to you. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 26. It says, once you were dead. Oh! It says you were that's good. I love when we think like we played a part in our salvation. It says you were dead. We were like Lazarus. Spiritually, done. But look, but look. See, you used to live in the in sin just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil, the commander of the powers of the unseen. He is the spirit at work in the hearts of those that refuse to obey God. All of us used to live that way. Following, in other words, he's saying all of us used to live dead. In dead relationships, in dead lifestyles, in dead habits, we were dead. By our very nature, we were subject to God's anger just like everyone else. But God, so rich in mercy, loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us Life when he what? Raised Jesus from the grave. In other words, when Jesus was raised from the grave and his tomb was empty, there was another tomb with your name on it that is empty here today. So we're not just celebrating Jesus' resurrection because his resurrection has so many implications. We're celebrating Marcus's resurrection, Reuben's resurrection, Sabby's resurrection, Melinda's resurrection, Emmanuel resurrection. We are celebrating Angie's resurrection. We're celebrating Kuhau's resurrection. Alright, I'll stop screaming now. But let me... Here's what I believe is happening right now in this moment as our prayer counselors come forward. I want to pray for you today. I need that. I want to pray for you today. And here's what I believe is happening today. I believe Jesus is standing before you. And here's what he wants to know. Would you invite me in? 
Here's what it says in Revelations. See, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat together. I want to ask you today, would you let him in? And letting him in, the way you respond to that is by saying, I'm placing my faith in Jesus. So I want to speak to two kinds of people today. People that have never let Jesus in. And you're saying, I would like to let him into my heart. Or maybe I let him in, but then I let him rule and reign. He's a gentleman. And today he's knocking on your door. Would you let me in? And then the other kind of group of people I want to talk to is you. You who maybe, maybe you've let him in, but there's a certain room you haven't let him in. He's standing at the door saying, let me into that door. Let me into that room. Because I'm here to make all things new. If that's you today, I want to pray for you. And if you say, Pastor Roe, would you include me in that prayer? I'm just going to ask you to lift up your hands at the count of three. One, two, three. Lift up your hand. Lift up your hand. Come on. Would you, come on, would you do something for me real quick with every hand lifted? I want to pray for you. Would you just come run to this altar real quick? Just run to this altar. Run, 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 run. Come on, come on, come on. Come on, run to this altar. Run to this altar. He's making all things new. He's making all things new. Hey, don't leave this place without being prayed for. Before we pray for, before we pray, I want you to say this prayer. Say, dear Jesus, I'm opening the door of my heart. And I'm asking you to come in. I thank you for dying on the cross for me. For giving me new life by resurrecting on the third day. From this day forth, I am a new creation in Christ Jesus, who is the Son of God. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen and amen. Give God a praise in this room. Listen. Our worship team is going to say, stay right there where you are. I want our prayer counselors to begin to pray for you. Don't leave this place without being prayed for. Worship team, you can begin. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Worship team.